Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Culligan of Lincoln on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We're back here on a Tuesday on the Ticket Water Cooler, brought to you by Coligan Water. And it is Tuesday at 325, technically 327, but you know what that means. That means Brian Munson of Husker Online will be joining us. Brian, how are you doing today? Hey, what's up, man? Oh, not too much. We're just uh, debating whether uh, touch football was the way to go for Nebraska or thud practices, as they like to say. Don't even have a conclusion either. Yeah, we don't really. We're kind of. So we want to get your opinion on it because Lincoln Riley says the USC spring game is not going to be a game of tag. Is that a shot at everybody else, or is he just trying to build the culture there? (laughs) Of course, it's a shot at everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one too, I think. That is hilarious. I didn't even see that he had said that. That is <laughs> <laughs> well. First of first of all, I think that we all we all talked about it the um, uh, the week after the the Nebraska spring game, and you know the the biggest thing about it is is that you just don't know what you know you could really take away from a, from a game of two hand tag. You know, right. guys like Yant, you know, are not going to excel when it comes to two hand t- two hand touch. They're their thing is they want to lower the shoulder and they want yards after contact. And you saw the difference. And when the run game decided, you know, was taking over and you saw a little bit more success running the football in the second half, well, it wasn't because of, you know, the personnel groups were different or that they finally started blocking differently in the second half. It was because you took the two hand touch rule off and you, you allowed those guys to go ahead and play some, play some football and take them to the ground. So yeah, I, I'm sure that that's a, that's a little bit of a shot across the bow at everybody else out there. <laughs> yeah, including Nebraska, but not a personal shot at Nebraska. Um, do you think, you know, because of the, the limitations there, because the, the conversation naturally evolves into, like, it, was it a good decision for Nebraska to do this? We know about the injury concerns, um, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, that's that's the type of stuff that you can get, you know, look at culture and try to set, you know, the toughness. And, um, you know, even sometimes when you're playing not to get hurt, you'll get hurt. So, it, you know, it, it, you know the precaution is, is understandable. Um, but when you're playing in the Big Ten West, they, I mean, they might be thin at some some positions heading into some of these games, too. You know, I, and I agree with that. Um, I think that there's only so much you can do to kind of guard your numbers where you start to, you know, to not to not start to, you know, to coach or prepare effectively. Um, there's there's a there's a line, obviously, that gets crossed. You, you can be safe and you can try to go out there and try to keep everybody healthy. And then all at the same time. There's a there's a you want to say that there's potentially a line out there about effectiveness where you know you're not going to be effective any longer if you can at least you know wrap up or have some sort of a bounce off of one another kind of contact rule just try not to take to the ground it's that I think that you should be there's nobody out there that wants to go out there and start laying hits out there to start causing concussions everywhere or landing on top of people and dislocating shoulders uh, because that's been part of my world in the last week or so too. Um, but that's, that's certainly, that's certainly, that's a, there's a careful balance between trying to keep everybody safe and trying to be effective within, you know, the, the practice schedule that you have that you're trying to get better as a team. Uh, Brian, talking about effectiveness, we don't really know too much about Casey Thompson's effectiveness because Nebraska didn't really show us anything in the spring game. But with that being said, uh, we saw what he did at Texas last year. Me and Bach talked about this earlier in the week, or maybe it was the end of last week. 
Um, where he stacks up in the Big Ten rankings when, when it comes to quarterbacks. Obviously, you didn't prepare. You, you can't say go through your list or anything. But do you think he has a chance to be kind of at the top of the list? Maybe not C.J. Stroud level, uh, but but towards the top of the rankings. Um, You know, it, obviously, I think that, well, I'm kind of jumping ahead here in my answer. Um, I think the the short answer to your question is that's where Whipple and Frost expect him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I think that from there though, the with the hesitation I think that was there to kind of go ahead and, and anoint him to be the starting quarterback in the fall. Um, I think Nebraska wants him to be a little uncomfortable. I think Nebraska feels like. Uh, you know, that they wish that they could have seen Purdy and Harburg, you know, do a little bit more this spring. They, they were limited because of energy, uh, injuries. Everything that I have heard so far uh, indicates that the that it was not a great uh, test sample for everybody to kind of take away from the spring game, that which, you know, Logan Smothers did as an indication of, like, how good his spring was. I heard he had a really good spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think that there's some – there's some things there that when they start talking about the next quarterback to replace Martinez at Nebraska, they want an efficient manager of the game. They want a guy. They 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 want they want to throw the football. They want to be efficient. They want a guy that's going to make some good decisions. And they and they can't be they can't you know they can't go out there and have a guy that's going to turn the football over. So, I I would expect that if Nebraska goes out there and cannot you know can't find that guy initially they go out with whenever week one is against North, you know, Northwestern, whoever it is against Northwestern, if that person's not running the get the offense effectively enough for them, I don't think they're going to have any problems in making a change and trying to find the right guy. So I, I think that there's going to be, there's going to be some very high standards kind of being set here based on the guys that are, that are there in Lincoln now. And as we look at, at recruiting, I think a lot of people have been surprised not to really see it, it's been kind of quiet on that front post the spring game. Um, that and like transferring, you know, you kind of figured there would be a lot of, of exit interviews happening and, and guys transferring out. But is that just because Nebraska's a little ahead of schedule from these other teams in, in the spring, do you think? I think I think that's part of it. I think Nebraska also, you know, um, the week after the spring game, there was kind of a, a little bit of a, a valley. You you let the guys kind of go and, and don't put any more team activities basically on them, except for, I think, working out last week and probably getting treatment for a lot of those guys. The coaches weren't really in the offices, even with the start of the evaluation period on Friday, which was a, a pretty bad day to kind of open your evaluation period on, on a good Friday. There wasn't much for them to do, and they kind of hit the ground running on Monday morning. Um, I think that the only thing that really is kind of hard, fast, you know, standing in the way of those guys that intend to talk about transferring or, or know that they want to transfer is that they have to de- declare their intentions by May 1st to be immediately eligible. Hmm. So if, if they're planning on going ahead and doing anything, we're going to find out here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and and I'm, I'm assuming, you know, with some of the coaches having to remain back in the offices, I don't think coach, I don't think head coaches necessarily will be out there on the, or, or can be out there on the road. Um, I imagine some of those conversations are going to be happening here over the next week or two. And, you know, I, I think that the number that Sean kind of threw out today on, on chat was, I thought he thought five, I think that could be on the light side. I think it could be, it could be a higher number than that. Um, but, uh, we'll have to see what kind of happens, but May 1st is going to be the first key date that I think people need to start paying attention to 
when it comes to people in the transfer portal. Is that is that why O'Shawn Mathis said he's going to make his decision at the end of the month? Is this this May first date? I don't think so. That that necessarily on that May first date for him, since he's already kind of declared and 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 hanging out there and taking official visits. He's got the Texas spring game. I think is this Saturday. Um, you know, just by the way that everything is going to kind of wrap up for him. So if it's the 23rd, he's got one more week to go kind of before the end of the month. And I think that, I think that what you, the big takeaway here, uh, I think has been that it's really kind of down to Nebraska and Texas. So he gets a chance to kind of go see those two places last before he makes a decision. Um, and, and then makes his decision and he's done with it. So, uh, I think that that's more along the lines of just the timing of the spring games and 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 the official visits. Uh, Brian, sometimes, at least in professional sports, some of the best moves you can make in free agency are keeping guys that maybe were hurt or left the team and then they come back. So, outside of the transfer portal, talking to Xavier Betts, have you heard anything? And if not, when are we going to find out answers about his future in Nebraska? I have not heard a word. I don't think there's been any comment. So when I say I haven't heard any words, it's it's more along the lines of answering the question as I don't think there's been any conversation between Betts and Nebraska. Um, I don't I don't anticipate him returning to football, um, and that's not just at link in Lincoln. That's period. Uh, I think it's just it's just a decision to go another way with what he wants to do with the with with his life. Um, and, and I, I also kind of got the feeling that, you know, in a lot of different circles, there's, there's, you know, while I think a guy like Betts and his talent, you know, he, he definitely has that role on the team. I mean, he was, he was a guy last year that in a lot of different, a lot of different parts of various football games was the only guy that was providing the spark. Um, now all of a sudden, you know, you, you have had a history, however, between Washington or Spielman or in others, when it comes to kind of dragging things out, being half in, half out, I think that the other players that have kind of seen that before don't want to don't want to keep tolerating that kind of behavior. Uh, it's either an all in or all out kind of thing, and I really I really appreciate that the most, and kind of understanding where a guys head and heart are at, and, and not trying to struggle with the decision. You're either in or you're out. Um, so uh, I, I don't I don't think right now that there's been any type of conversations happening between between Betts and Nebraska, and I don't anticipate him returning to the team. And obviously he's a huge in-state wide receiver for Nebraska, uh, but now there's a few more of them, not in, even in the metro area, now in Lincoln uh, with Malachi Coleman, and now the latest to get an offer is Benny Ngoye of Lincoln High. Um, can you remember a time, I mean, it, it, even just like skill positions, not just one position here, the wide receiver, but just the skill positions where there's been that type of talent in Lincoln. Uh, in Lincoln alone. No, uh, absolutely not. I, I was trying to, I, I'm going to do some research tonight because somebody else asked me today on the board was seven, the highest number that I could recall uh, for in-state offers. Cause that's where they're at currently. You know, they've got three guys currently in the class. They got four of their offers out because Nagoli and Knutson have joined Coleman and Noonan. Then you got the three commits. So you got seven guys out there for 2023 in state that have offers. And the answer, the answer to that question was no. Uh, I actually do recall at least two other times, one time where there was nine, one time when there was 11. So I'm going to go back and start taking some research time tonight and kind of break down some numbers uh, in that area. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of working through that a little bit. But uh, it, it is a, it's a good year. I mean, look, 
Flores is committed to Oklahoma State. Cade McIntyre picked up an offer from Kansas State, had an offer from Wyoming before. There are still some guys out there that could end up picking up uh, Division One offers. The offensive lineman whose name is Casey from Gretna right now is another guy that I think is is got some potential to him as well. I think it's Goldman is his last name. Mm. Um, there's some there's some dudes in the state this year, and I think I think the word is kind of out that you know based on the 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 the, the differences and people have had to do in their in their workflow with recruiting guys and huddle and and not be able to go out there and evaluate. I think they've landed on some guys from, from Nebraska in, in recent years and it's opened up their eyes a little bit. So um yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a, a tremendous year for talent skill position wise guys in, in Lincoln. And I think it's a great year for offensive linemen in the state, but overall just a great year for talent in the state of Nebraska. Do you believe I was listening to DP and Rico talk about this earlier? Do you think that there is a theme among Nebraska recruiting with this staff? Um, you know, like in the past, we've heard you know lock down the borders or whatever, and, and it seems like Nebraska is really hitting hard this state. Um, or you hear about the 500 mile radius. Do you, do you see that proximity um, being as as important to this coaching staff as maybe it has been to the past staffs? Hundred percent. I think it's been. I think that that now is really the true rallying cry of this of the staff, and I think that that's been driven by Vince Ginta. I think it's been driven by your 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 new coaching hires and in Bush and in Joseph, who have obviously have been there in Lincoln before. Um, and, and I think Applewhite appreciates that, and I'm sure that I'm sure Whip and, and Riola uh, are are on board. I mean, Riola has three offers out to in-state offensive linemen, so clearly he's on board. Um, so yeah, I think that there's absolutely under, an understanding about where the bread is buttered. It's about in-state guys, and I think that Nebraska is going to stay on every single one of them because every one that they offer. They want. There's no lip service here. They're not just going to get an offer and Nebraska walks away and that's the last you'll ever hear about it. They're going to make them priority number one, and they're going to drive that one through. And I think that that's going to mean a lot to those guys, particularly a guy like Malachi Coleman uh, in the offers. He's got a guy like Benny Nagoe and, and, and even Knutson, who's considering Iowa State, has an official business up there, and, and Maverick Noonan, who's – slightly getting overshadowed in the state now because of all these new offers, but still, you know, probably the number one guy on my board. Um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's really a great year for, for in-state talent. I think Nebraska can land all seven of those guys and people would be, it's quite the role, quite the reversal from a year ago where Nebraska saw all those guys from Omaha leave the state. I think Nebraska is doing their best this year to keep all the guys in state home. He's Brian Munson of Husker Online. We always love his insight here. One more question for you over here, or maybe a few more questions for you, but we'll go quick. <laughs> no, uh, we got a question on the text line for you, Brian. Any recruiting news on Carter Nelson out of Ainsworth? Nothing nothing new in that area. I believe that he was just in for the spring game. I thought he was in for a junior day before that. Um, this is the tight end, I think, uh, Nothing new. I, you know what? I'll put it down on my list of things to get to. I, I know that the coaches were out there um, and, were, and were hitting the roads, and Ainsworth wasn't one necessarily that, that, that popped up right away. I know that um, Coach Root will be back in the state later on this week by talking to Knutson uh, and, where, and where he's at. So um, I think that those are, those are trips that are still going to happen and, and visits that will still happen. But I will get an update on that one hopefully by the end of the week. So keep checking Husker Online. And Brian, we are doing our, our years in review, and, and this year is 1997. What was a young Brian Munson? How did you take uh, intake the Nebraska's last national championship there? 
still in college. I was wrapping up. I think I was just getting engaged, um, oh, wow. trying to wrap up my studies and, 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 and head down to Texas. So I was still, still somewhere lost in the haze of, uh, trying to figure out what, what Brian Munson was going to do with the rest of his <laughs> life, but he was going to go ahead and he found the right woman. And, and he was, uh, he knew that that part at least was on solid ground, but the rest of it was uh, pretty much still up in the air. <laughs> what, a, what a time to be <laughs> no, alive. Hey, was, don't don't lie was, to us, Brian. You weren't doing much studying during that national championship. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot lie. I mean, that's, that's the absolute <laughs> truth. I, I was very easily distracted uh, when it came to studies and other things to do. So uh, I had a really good bowling average. Uh, I, I was bowling a lot with my buddies and, having fun doing that, but uh, trying to get things together so I could move on with my life because I'm sure my wife was thinking she was just just landed the, the big Lebowski in a lot of different ways. <laughs> That's right. I like to tie in with the bowling there. Uh, that'll, uh, that'll wrap it up for Brian. I know you got some things to do. Thanks for joining us uh, again today here. Brian Munson of Husker Online, always very informative. Uh, have a good day, Brian. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week, guys. All right, there he goes. Brian Munson of Husker Online. Like I said, uh, we are doing our year in review, so it'll be time for that in the on the opposite history side here. Bach. 1997, here yeah. one of the best history uh, years with Bach here. That's coming up next year on the Ticket Water Cooler, brought to you by Coligan Water. <laughs>